Welcome to Tide and Talks. Thank you for joining this week's educational episode. Today, we will wrap up our discussion with David Hawking regarding cable seal design and innovation. Please stay tuned for future episodes with David as we continue to share educational materials and insights of our complete security seal product line. David, if I recall correctly, we had testing standards in place for our cable seals. I believe it was with the ASTM prior to the ISO standard that we adhere to today. Could you share some details behind our testing processes at that time? Yes, that's a good point that you bring up, Jer, and thanks for reminding me. The ASTM, which I believe stands for American Standard of Testing Measurements or something along those lines, I may have the acronym slightly wrong. Our cable seals and some of our other bolt seals did fall under some specifications that were listed, and and Coca-Cola did refer to those. The thing to keep in mind on ASTM specs as it pertained to our cable seals was that they were ranges of strengths. And I believe Coca-Cola wanted uh, the cable seal for their suppliers to fall. I think it was the, to fall under the C range. I think they had A, B, C, and D. I, I, I may be incorrect on that. You, you'll probably have to check me. But I think it was the C range. And the C range was anything that had a pull-apart strength of between, I believe, been a long time since I looked at the spec, but I think this is right. I think it was between 200 and 1,000 pounds. So it was a range. So if, you, if you're 201 or you're 999, you're in that spec. Well, once again, you and I as SEALs nerds know there's a big difference between a pull-apart strength of 200 and 1,000 pounds. And it wasn't deemed that much of a problem because, as mentioned earlier, Coca-Cola already had in their spec that quarter of an inch slippage was all that was allowed. So they weren't really that concerned if it only took 200 pounds of strength to pull apart a cable seal or 1,000 pounds. If it met the quarter-inch slippage, it was going to be okay. As you indicated, and you started right with 9-11, that changed everything because then the ISO spec started to be the mechanism and the documentation that these type of products we're going to be moved to, largely because of import-export, uh, container security, uh, all of the uh, the uh, myriad uh, uh, issues that uh, would go along with uh, uh, 9-11. And the biggest difference, without going too deep into the ISO specification, because we could spend an hour on that if we wanted to, and I know we don't want to, the easiest way to remember it is that while the ASTM specification and grades as noted earlier, were ranges of strength, the ISO was a minimum. So you had to meet for a high security product, you had to meet a certain level of strength. And those are the, the, the two differences that apply to these type of products. Now, as the last little bit of adjective or color into the, uh, the picture here, the products that are used in the corn sweetener industry, by and large, are not required to meet the ISO specification. They are largely internal shipments, domestic, from a agricultural product supplier to a, a bottler or a manufacturer of food or, or soft drinks. 
if they are going cross border or they're being exported or there's other type of internal requirements by the manufacturer, then they might fall under the ISO spec and that designates different strengths and thicknesses of the cable seals. But once again, it still comes down to meeting a minimum standard to achieve the rating that you desire. David, we regularly receive inquiries and questions related to RFID or advanced tracking and monitoring security seals. I was hoping you could shed some light on the challenges and opportunities that lie within that product segment. What I'll say on that is both electronic and RFID. I'm not a technical expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I know enough to be dangerous. RFID products have been around for you know, 20 plus years, as, as we all know, and they've probably never taken off in our industry as we might have expected they would have 20 years ago. And there's a reason for it, once again, that you and I would understand, but maybe some other folks would not. And that is because, yes, an RFID product will be able to broadcast or be queried, if you will, depending on the type of device it's using. The best example is a toll tag on your car. You know, that's a, a passive RFID device and it goes through the, the reader and that wakes it up and says, okay, yes, I got money left in this account. Charge Jeremy a dollar to, you know, get off this exit or whatever. Well, you can do that with SEALs. We, certainly that was available all those years ago. And it was largely an interest that uh, dovetails a little bit to what we talked about earlier with the corn sweetener people for a safety application not wanting to necessarily have workers climb on top of rail cars or tank trailers, particularly in those areas where those domes or hatches are not opened every time, because sometimes they're not. You know, you don't load from there, you unload from the bottom. And in, in many cases, you do not have to get up and do anything with the, the dome or the hatch that's on top of the conveyance. However, you want to make sure that if it was secured, uh, whatever there is still secured. So RFID was available and would be available today to acknowledge either by going through a stationary reader or if someone was maybe on a ladder or a scaffold or something like that with a uh, handheld reader and got close enough that the RFID device was still on that hatch. Well, what it doesn't tell you is whether the device has been tampered with. It just tells you I'm here. So I say that by going toward answering your question with there are more devices that are becoming available that do have this tamper evident feature, as well as being able to incorporate some of the newer technologies. And I mean newer, they're not new now, they've been around for a while, but newer like Bluetooth and things along those lines where the seal is more of a smart seal broadcast ranges are a little bit better and the software that's available to incorporate into the miniaturized chips that go into the flags of these RFID devices can indeed not only display that they are on the conveyance where they're supposed to be but whether or not they are in pristine fashion or as Amazon is looking for as they're exploring RFIDs, they want three stages. They want to know if it's unlocked, they want to know once it's locked, and they want to know if it's tampered with. 
And there is now software that, as I said, can be incorporated into the RFID style cable and bolt seals. And cables are still gonna be the more popular, even though they're more expensive because they're more flexible as far as the amount of apertures you can lock. That is where I see possibly some of the movement going on smart or smarter cable seals. Hope that answers your question. Thank you for joining today's final episode with David Hawking for our discussion on cable seal design and innovation. Stay tuned for new episodes and kindly follow our podcast, like and share as you see fit. We are also on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Please also take a moment to review our website at www.tidenbrooks.com.